to everyone. We're so glad you're here, Fritz and Lynette. May God be gracious to you. We're so thankful for you and your ministry and um, your willingness to just be a part of our, our fellowship and our worship today. And uh, may God be gracious to you. I want to invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 1 this morning as we continue our time together in this great letter, the Word of God. We're in this study. It's a wondrous thought. It's it's an amazing proposition in this letter, honestly, that we are free. That's what we've just sung of in our praise, that we are free in Christ. And that Christ has not only brought about our forgiveness, if that weren't good enough and wonderful enough, of course, he has rescued us from this present evil age. He's delivered us out of darkness and he's placed us in light. We're free. That's the other part of the gospel. And I've told you in the last couple of times together as we started this series of my two great ministry passions. First, the proclamation of the gospel. It's one of the reasons why Um, My heart is full every time we have one of our partners here with us who serve so faithfully in other parts of the world in the proclamation of the gospel. Because this is the work, this is the mission to proclaim this message of grace and kindness and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And uh, Fritz, our good friend, reiterated that so wonderfully this morning during our Sunday school hour. And I'm thankful for that. Thank you for being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ in Berlin, Germany. Well, the other passion of our life, of course, is this idea that not only has Christ given us forgiveness through his death, but he has set us free. See, oh, how we long for people to be free. Free from bondage, free from fear, free from self-made righteousness and religion and rules and regulations and all of those things that can keep us bound and can kind of keep us from experiencing the power and the wonder and the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. This apostle, this this one who writes, is sold out to this message. See, at once that message reached into his darkness, into his sinful soul. It broke through the pretense. He was on a religious mission on behalf of Almighty God. He couldn't have been more zealous, more committed, more faithful to his vision of what righteousness looked like. And so many people walked this planet pretending, somehow confused and disillusioned into thinking that what they're doing somehow in their own strength and according to their own vision of righteousness is keeping them right before God. That was was Saul. Until the gospel laid hold of him personally and triumphantly on that Damascus road. And that light broke into his darkness and set him free. And gave him a new vision for his life. He then now would be the herald of this gospel of grace to the whole Gentile world. And that grace penetrated layers and layers and layers of hardness. Of regret. Fear. Shame, anger, bitterness. And it made all things new. When he picked up his stylus to write his amazing letter to the church at Rome, perhaps his kind of seminal work, 
for all of eternity. He began that letter by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And then he says why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He was not ashamed of this gospel that he defends in Galatians. And the reason he was not ashamed of it, first of all, because it was powerful. It is the power of God. It is the only message, it is the only power that God has ordained to transform the human soul. To take it out of darkness, out of bondage, and place it into light. It's the gospel. He was also not ashamed of it because it went everywhere. It was for everyone. For everyone who believes, it was non-discriminating, this message of good news. Anyone who believes this message can be free, can find this hope and forgiveness in his name. This is the witness of the apostle. But in order for us to understand why he is so passionate and why he is so deeply concerned about what's going on in the lives of these believers to whom he writes in Galatians, I think we have to understand a very clear picture of what this gospel is. And to do that, I want to look at another passage that the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesian believers. It's just a few pages to the right if you have a copy of the scriptures. And if you don't, that's okay. You don't have to turn there. I just want you to hear how the Apostle Paul unpacks the reality of the gospel in the book of Ephesians. This is from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience... And your many sins. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God. See, that's how the gospel begins. But God. Because of all of that, God is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. (laughs) That's the gospel. Only by God's grace. There's no human ingredient. There's nothing that we bring to the table to somehow measure up to God's standard, to bring upon ourselves what God has offered to us in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. You can only come with a heart that is broken, in bondage, in darkness, sin, sick, and struggling, and Christ sets you free. That's the gospel. That's the message of the cross. There's another passage, it's also in Ephesians, but it's in Ephesians chapter 3. But I want you to see, I want you to listen to how passionate the Apostle Paul is about this message. Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 1, he writes this, When I think of all this, what he just described, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, 
for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know uh, God, gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. And as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into his plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it uh, to previous generations, but now by his spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Listen, get this, okay? This is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the gospel, the good news, share equality in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace. <laughs> By God's grace and mighty power. By God's grace and mighty power I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news though I am the least deserving of all God's people he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ is it any wonder when he writes to the Galatian believers he is so concerned this is the witness of a sinner set free by grace, not by the law, not by keeping some rigid policy of do's and don'ts and regulations and rules, somehow managing to make and keep himself right before God. Oh no, there is no merit here, only grace, wondrous, amazing, and inexhaustible grace. Grace, grace. You got it? This is the gospel that was made known to the believers at Galatia to whom Paul writes this letter. This is the message they first believed. It's the message you first believed as a follower of Jesus. Listen, what is your passion? What has your focus and attention these days? What has your heart? What drives you? What is your mission? What is your life priority? If you are in Christ, it must be the gospel. And this gospel that you once a sinner, helpless and lost in darkness, chained to your past, locked in your present and without hope for a future, were laid hold of by the kindness of God in Christ Jesus, whose death brought you out of forgive, uh, into forgiveness and rescued you and made you alive in his rich mercy. It is, it, is, it is purely what God has done, nothing we bring. And is that the passion of your heart? Is that the mission and focus of your days, of your living? <laughs> what are the repeating, resounding themes of your Facebook posts, your tweets, your Instagrams? Not a bad chronicle of where you are. Just, just go back a few weeks and months and just rehearse and review everything that's there. Get, begin to get a picture of of where your heart is, where your passion is, where your focus is. Is it Christ? His, his grace that has set you free 
What, what's keeping you alive and free? That's the gospel. Now there's a problem. That's the point of the letter. He begins to develop that in verse 6. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. The problem is these believers have started to desert God and to forget his grace. To desert, to leave is to forsake, to cut and run. It's the idea of trading what you have been given in order to flee into something that is under your own control and power and you are entrusting your days to yourself rather than to the God who saved you by his grace. And the apostle says, I'm shocked. I cannot believe it because I know where you were. I know what you experienced in Christ and I'm out of my mind with shock and dismay that you are somehow being led to go back. You are leaving God. You are leaving him in waves. You are deserting this grace for a different gospel. Look what he says. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. The problem is these believers were trusting in something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ and not the one that had saved them. Now this was an ancient conflict or situation, but it has amazing relevance for you and I today. Because just as there were competing gospels in Paul's day and in the lives of these believers to whom he wrote, there are competing gospels today. And they are just as insidious and misleading as the, one about, as the ones about which Paul wrote. I want to highlight just a couple this morning. Um, I'm a little concerned about what I'm hearing out there. <laughs> and the airwaves, frankly, and even what I'm reading. And one of the messages, one of the other gospels that is beginning to emerge in our culture, in our Christian culture, is what I have come to refer to as the try-harder gospel. You need to try harder. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? It's this idea of, well, if you can just be a better person, try harder, be more efficient, more effective, more faithful, more spiritual, pray harder, pray more. Do more of this and do more of that. Then somehow, somehow that will, that will lift you and keep you in God's favor. And so we find ourselves in this frenzy of Christian activity and busyness and expending ourselves and our lives with this, this kind of notion that I've got to be doing something. In fact, I've got to be doing more than I'm doing. And frankly, a lot of Christians are just wore out because they've succumbed to this other gospel that the apostle says is no gospel at all. Now, I want to 
Have you listened to the words of Jesus? Because he helps us, of course. Matthew chapter 11, Matthew recorded some words of Jesus. He was confronting um, this very notion at the beginning of his ministry. This try-harder gospel was being propagated by the Pharisees. They were the religious elite of Jesus' day. And that's exactly what they were saying. Listen, you can do more. You need to do this, but then you also need to do this, and then you need to do this, and you need to do this, and then you need to do this. But make sure you don't do this, because if you, don't, if you do this, then it's going to undo what you're doing over here, and on and on and on and on it go. And then Jesus comes onto the scene. And this is what Jesus says. Come to me. Did you get that? Come to me. All of you who, who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Wait a minute. Did you say rest? <laughs> rest? Yeah. Rest. You come to me. I, I, I'm gentle. I, I'm meek. I'm humble. Take my yoke. Let me do the lifting. You, you don't do the lifting. I, I do the lifting. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's the gospel. You can't do this. You couldn't do it if you tried. Why do you continue to lift? Come to me. I got this. I did this. You're free. It just makes us blink and sputter. What do you mean, easy? You mean rest. That's the gospel. Well, Jesus, Jesus came to set us free from all of that human frenzied, draining lifestyle and activity that somehow will measure up if we just do more and more and more and more. It's a different gospel. In fact, it's not a gospel at all. And Paul says, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you're still there. But you're going back to that when Christ has set you free. There's a second message that I hear and we hear, I think, often, especially in our contemporary Christian culture, and that it goes something like this. God wants all your dreams to come true. You need to follow your dreams and your passions. Your life and fulfillment is worthy of all your attention and all your passion and all the investment of your time, everything, everything. God wants you to be the best you that you can be. <laughs> wow, that sounds good too, doesn't it? You can have your best life now. There's a problem with that too. 
And of course, the problem is <laughs> Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 12. In confronting this same reality, those who love their life in this world, well, you're going to lose it. But those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. That's the gospel. Christ has come to set you free from the drain of all that self-focused pursuit, self-worship. It's about me. It's about my dreams. It's about my happiness. It's about my fulfillment. It's about who I can become in Christ. No, 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 no. It's all, it's all not about that. That's a different gospel. In fact, it's no gospel at all. Jesus said, if you're going to be first, you've got to learn to be last. If you want to really live, then you got to die. Die to self, die to dreams, try to all those things and follow after me. That's the gospel. Because in receiving that, we receive his grace and we receive his freedom in him. Now, what is the force? That's the problem. What is the force behind all this confusion? How does this all come about? Look what he says. He says in verse, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. These are Christians, by the way. These, these, are, these are good, godly, faithful Christian people to whom he's writing but they've been duped. They're following a different gospel. It's not a gospel of freedom. It's not a, a gospel of, of grace and all of these things. It's a gospel of human effort, and it's all about me. And he says, look, here's the cause. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. You know what the problem is? You know what the cause of all this confusion is? People. Now that's pretty sad, isn't it? People promote other gospels. Teachers, leaders, proclaimers. People are confusing believers and drawing them away from the true freedom that is in Christ. People who are not free themselves. And they want you to be bound as well. They want you to be bound by rules and impossible standards and expectations. We heard such a powerful witness last Sunday by Charlene Dableau who gave a witness of how she was long in that struggle, the stronghold of legalism. And it was being promoted by, a, by an organization, by a ministry, by a group of people. And they wanted to keep people bound until Christ set her free through the truth of his word. Praise his name. At times, they resort to guilt and fear tactics to keep people from experiencing truth and freedom. This is the stranglehold of man-made religion. And many so-called Christian traditions actually promote this form of a prostituted gospel, and it is no gospel at all. People bring about confusion, but it's interesting there. He mentioned something else. 
not just people. They are to be cursed if they lead God's people away from the experiencing the grace and freedom in Christ. But he also talks about angels. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel. Now, this is a bizarre reference, but I truly believe this is a reference to demons that who have been commissioned by Satan himself to keep Christians in bondage. And they are powerful. And they are insidious. And I believe that there are believers in the church today who are being assaulted by enemy combatants that are unseen. And they are emissaries of Satan. And the strategy is to keep them from experiencing freedom in Christ. They've got them locked in the past with thoughts that they cannot shake. Patterns and attitudes and bitternesses and all of those things. And they keep them in chains. And that, that is the mission of these, in, these entities. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, Our battle is not against flesh and blood but against powerful forces that are unseen, principalities, dominions, entities, emissaries of the evil one to keep us in bondage. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's a few pages to the left in your scriptures if you have a copy. Again, this is the Apostle Paul. The beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he writes this, I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. Listen to this. We are human. But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Those are the seedbeds of these other gospels. Human reasoning. Do everything you can do and God will bless it. You are what you make yourself out to be. Sounds right, doesn't it? It's a stronghold. It keeps us from experiencing the freedom and power and grace of Jesus in our lives. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And these are powerful forces. And Paul says, I don't want you to go back. I want you to be free. Well, that's the problem. Those are the promoters. I want you to see what drives it. What's the motive? Look what he says back in Galatians chapter 1. 
God's curse fall on anyone, including us, even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be accursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Paul didn't draw a lot of crowds with this kind of preaching. But in declaring that, he unveils the motive behind these, these different Gospels, these Gospels that are no Gospel at all, and it is squarely this. We seek the affirmation and approval of men rather than the grace and favor and freedom of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's why we love this stuff. That's why we do it. We want to fit into this world. We want to achieve. We want to somehow measure up to the world's success. We want to find approval. We want influence. We want power. We want success. We love all that stuff. But it keeps us bound. We can never experience the freedom and grace that is in Christ Jesus unless we surrender all of that and pursue the wondrous freedom and power of Christ which brings glory only to God both now and forevermore. Amen. Listen, some of you are still here today and you're in your 30s and in your 40s and in your 50s and you are still trying to please your parents. Rather than living in the freedom and grace of Christ who has set you free. And every time you give in to that desire or give in to that control, that stronghold in your light, you desert the one who set you free by his grace. Some of you are still trying to win the approval in favor of your family or still trying to prove something that you're right, that your way is the best. You walk around with your clipboards and your whistles and you hold everyone around you accountable to your list and your experience and your standards because you're not free. And Paul says, I can't believe it. Because like you, I was there too. Paul says, I was chief of sinners. Christ laid hold of me and he rescued me from that delusion of self-righteousness. We are so out of time. Luke wrote a story. It's his sequel to the book of Luke. Most people think sequels aren't, or, you know, the, the original is better than the sequel. But I don't know. This, in Acts, Acts is the sequel to Luke. <laughs> Luke tells a story about Paul and Silas. One day we were going down to the place of prayer. And we met a demon-possessed slave girl. This is real. This happened. She was in bondage. 
She was a fortune tenor, teller, and she earned a lot of money for her masters. She was the victim of human trafficking. She followed Paul and the rest of us, and she was shouting at them. You got people in your life like that just, <laughs> just shout at you. They just, <sighs> because of who you are and what you represent. <laughs> That's what she was doing. Here they are, just trying to share the gospel. They were healing people and proclaiming the love of Christ. And great, here's this demon girl. <laughs> That's bondage. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they came to tell you how to be saved. Maybe that's how it went. I don't know. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. You see, grace has authority in your life. Paul just turned and looked squarely at this demon and says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of, come out of her. And it did. She was set free. It instantly left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. I love this. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They were religious. They shouted to the city officials, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. False tribunal bring false charges against these righteous men. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Now, does that sound like God wants all your dreams to come true? They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So he, the jailer...